0: Roger. Okay, I think you're pulling the wrong one. i okay. just... Okay, I'm ready to pull it down now. There was still a little bit, uh, left in the... Okay, don't hold the right so tight. Okay? that right. what? Okay, Hi! Welcome,
1: Welcome to the, the podcast. podcast. This is how it's, it's gonna to start. start. You put your headphones
2: on. It's a different world in here, Paul. Um, well, oh, yeah, studio. studio so it's, like, it's a different world. It's like what you I like next to the dance everything sounds.
0: The
2: Dan.
1: Hi, I'm Walter Becker. This is my friend Donald Fagan.
2: I heard that, I'm um, dead. He's still alive. I heard that Walter Becker, uh, right. like the last 10 years of his life, spent most of his time on eBay. Really? Don't, he was like a you? huge... Well, for what watches? No, no yeah, like
1: shit like that, like, it's like weird shit. Really? Yeah. Like that makes sense, I suppose. If you after you've conquered, now we're getting turn It's a little dark for me. You know? All right. Oh, got, okay, got, Okay. There we go. All right. Yeah. What's what's your balance? There we go. Yeah. I figure once you conquer the sonic frontiers of everything, like then
2: what are you gonna do? Then yeah. you're just like a fat, old acid junkie. Yeah.
1: I think William Gibson's the same way. Who's that? That writer, the guy who wrote like uh, *Neuromancer*, uh, the stuff the Matrix is based on.
0: Oh, he's pretty into
1: was... like, he's into more like finding things that are hard to find. he find like like r- weird like particular stuff like the Japanese people are obsessed with. Uh-huh. This is a cool loop, isn't it? Yeah. This is from some palm. Macar- oh, this is from a B-side off a of *Ram* listen to the album Ram it, yeah of course it's so fucking good but oh, I feel like man, I great. don't know this song this is O woman oh why do you know track yeah I don't really know it either it's I probably
2: like him playing drums then huh probably
1: this is a I looped it though so it's like we're I just like getting that. the meat at the, the yeah. top the top half the top half Paul Adelstein 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 I, you know what actually I, I literally practiced saying it and I said it wrong <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: it happens believe me
1: uh. How do you know it's that way?
2: That's a good question. I mean, I don't think it's. Yeah. I don't think it. It certainly. Isn't that weird phonetically how you're... works either way? I mean, I remember as a kid, my brother and sister saying steam. Yeah. And my parents being like, "That's not what it is." Edelstein. Yeah, Edelstein. Yeah. What? Well, uh, uh, a. Funny thing, right? And my grandfather, or maybe my great uncle, they owned a pharmacy together in Cleveland, yeah. and they changed it from E to A. Oh, okay. I'm not sure why. Like the Bernstein I mean, Bears? Exactly. Bernstein. Yes. I think it was because they wanted to be first in the Yellow Pages, but I don't That's know. That's a
1: common thing. Yeah? I did a movie like four or five years ago that uh, changed the title because uh, they wanted it to be up high on the VOD, you know, the video on demand yeah, sure. listings. They changed it, and it's like this weird kind Aardvark? Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called, it's ABC Ardvark. No, It's called Against the Clock, and the the title of it forever was Headlock. It's a Mark Polish movie, and it's like, he's furious about it. And you can see the poster, too. It's like this, it's pretty cheesy looking. I don't know what to make of it, but...
2: Isn't that why the eels are named the eels? Didn't no way, he, is it? Didn't he want... I have no idea. It was an alphabetical. He wanted it to come before... Some other band that he hated? E, I think, because it wasn't doesn't he go by E? Didn't he go by E? Who is
1: it? Who is the Eels? What's exactly. his fucking
2: name? They're such a great band, man. I always forget about how good they that are. That one record kills me. Shunanny? No, the one about the mental institution. Um, Should we
1: play an Eels track right now? Let's do it.
2: Yeah, do it. Uh, play, Stop playing this goddamn. Play something from. um... Play Hospital Food from. uh... Oh my god, what's it called? Starts with Elizabeth on the bathroom floor. Isn't God it?
1: damn it! The internet's not working here. What? I gotta go. This what ha- this what happens sometimes for no
2: apparent reason, other than it's just like. What is the name of the record? Oh,
1: oh this is this is makes me mad. Are we recording? Is this all yeah, happening? we're recording. Yeah. Is this
2: part of the podcast?
1: I like to have it be kind of it ease into it. You Free know?
2: flow.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a. This is.
2: I don't think the internet's working.
1: Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work here sometimes for no apparent reason. Oh wait, Eels, here it is. Hey!
2: Mark Oliver Everett. And he went by E. Mark Oliver, Oliver Everett. Electroshock Blues. That's Electroshock
1: Blues, okay. I'll yeah. just put it on uh, here. 98,
2: 20 years old.
1: That's so yeah, it is pretty old actually. That's some old indie shit. It's like the original indie shit. Eels. Wait, what year? Okay, what's the I can do I'm just gonna pull it up on my phone because I don't have it to working otherwise. What's the song called? Uh
2: Electric like Shock Blues? That's the name of the record. Um Hospital Food is a really good one.
1: Hospital food.
2: And then there's a bunch of like speaking of Elliot Smith singing, like he does this thing where he plays the guitar, it's turned you can tell the gains all the way up.
1: Right. He plays
2: it really gently and he sings it really gently. This is more of a rocker. Ooh, this has got great drums. Great drums. And he does all this crazy loopy stuff on this.
1: Wow. This almost feels like you're in
0: like
2: a. Um, it's like I'm like hanging with
1: uh, John Lurie or something. Right.
2: <laughs> or, like a, or like a morphine.
1: Yeah. Morphine.
2: I, you're okay. eating hospital food.
1: Oh, it's got that, it's not that. It's like if I hear baritone sax now in this format, I just assume it's morphine. Right. That's
2: weird how that Didn't that guy die on stage, one of those guys, like the bass player from Morphine or something? that's yeah, the main guy, right? Was...
1: Whoever that is. He died, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, like a heart attack.
1: I think he died probably because his Space. band was named Morphine. <laughs> 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 I think he's basically telling you, it's hey, like hey like... I've got a problem. <laughs> Help, please. Please, (laughs) please, things are not good. Right. I'm making all these records telling you a record (laughs) called Cure for Pain. (laughs) (laughs) Help! Please! Opioid crisis. (laughs) I invented the opioid (laughs) crisis. This is fucking great. This does sound like that. It's weird how, like, this era of music. It's got, like, that weird kind of. I don't know how to describe it. It's like that MTV feel where it's like back when um you were punk if you ate like fucking doritos and coffee for breakfast you know what i mean and now it's like the opposite <laughs>
2: Now, now you have to be kind of like no, It's like, like that's like a Republican vegan. thing to right. do. Right, <laughs> it's right, right,
1: like, right. They have like they have mass-marketed mass food. Right. It's like this re- Republican shit. Back then it was like, yeah, I just live off fucking, I have a bag of Doritos that I got from the dumpster, and I have some Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and I hang out at 7 I'm as punk as they come.
2: Yeah, that's not like, I don't think it's like that anymore. No. It's more like self-care. Self-care. I remember in the when, we, when I was one of the bands and we started touring, my friend's band got signed to Deep Elm Records, which Deep was Elm. a indie, I think it was out of one of the Carolinas. For some reason we were on this band, he was writing kind of smart pop songs, right. like literate pop songs. Everybody else was 10 years younger and they were it was all emo. And so we go play these shows in like garages with these like 20-year-olds who and it, they were all uh, what's it called, straight edge.
1: Oh God, so they wouldn't drink at all. There was no drinking. Yeah, there was no drugs. X. There was no
2: cigarettes. There was no like, and they were all so intense. Yeah. And I, it was such a it was such a difference from the way we were when we were that age.
1: Yeah, I thought I knew a lot of people who were straight edge who were no longer straight edge, where they still had the tattoos.
2: That's a bummer. Because
1: a lot of them, like you know, they do that. You do that when you're like in an age where, you what, you're 15. Yeah. And you get this commit. I'm committed to the lifestyle. I'm committed to the lifestyle. of Triple X. No what drugs, is tri- no tri- What's the
2: triple X mean? It's
1: just like a thing. I think it's like a... I knew a lot of guys in Florida because I went to college there. That's where I first got exposed to the whole straight edge thing was in Florida. I knew a guy named Chris who had bleached hair and was a hardcore vegan and he hardcore had...
2: Hardcore vegan.
1: ...triple X tattooed on the inside of his lip. I guess that means like... It's some sort of... It's some kind of a straight edge representative thing. The X's. The three X's.
2: Like... Nothing, nothing, nothing?
1: I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I I mean, I feel like if you could take X's and subscribe, ascribe them to any sort well, of philosophy, especially right?
2: especially triple X, right? Yeah.
1: Like the movie. Have you seen that movie?
2: N- uh, it's is it like a Vin Diesel movie? Yeah, yeah. It's no. one
1: of his best movies, I would say. <laughs> That's, do you ever want to do that? Would you do that? If someone was like, hey, Paul, we want to put you in a... Uh, fuck yeah. You, have well, you ever, I swear.
2: Yeah, you can play. Uh, fuck. Okay. Uh, yes, I would love to do one of those movies.
1: What about like something like uh, a
2: Fast and the Furious? I mean, thing. I would love to. I would. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not like a gearhead, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I would love to do that. I mean, I but, think that that shit looks really fun. I think that totally. It's probably they're probably long, boring shoots. Because oh my there's god, so much action! But I mean, I always think about the Fast and Furious people. I'm like, they don't do other movies. They don't, uh, Yeah, they don't do they. No. Because I think they get paid so much money and it paid. takes so long to make them. And yeah. there's so many of them that it's like they're basically on TV shows. You probably get jumped in too. What do you mean?
1: You know you, you know how you get jumped into a gang? <laughs>
2: oh. Like you get the shippied out of you? Like, yeah, <laughs> except it's.
1: Who is it? it, was, it was it's Neil Moritz?
2: <laughs> who are the. Yeah, it's like. That's Neil. So, Neil's so like the main Paul guy. So like Paul Walker's ghost. Paul Walker's ghost. You have to like you have to pass Vin, a kidney stone. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. And what's the woman's name? Michelle Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez. He yeah. doesn't do anything else but those. No. Tyrese. Tyrese,
1: right? Tyrese. Ludacris. Luda. Luda's doing other stuff though. He produces he things. He does. I think doesn't he produce? Uh, Jace, Jace, Jason Bieber. I <laughs> I believe he Jason produces B- Jason, Jason Bubbles? Beaver.
2: Jason Bubbles.
1: I think he's Jason Beaver's. I think he owns a lot of rights to Jason Beaver. You know that Canadian kid who's really good at singing. He's a Christian. He's okay. He's got a lot of tattoos now, and he like he's like you know he stole my.
2: He got look. married. He got married. Yeah. Wow. He married. Wow. He married somebody. <laughs> uh, you know. Wow. Wow. Are you doing it? It's kind of a Dustin Hoffman thing.
1: Oh, it is coming. Kind of, I'm trying to think what wow,
2: it was. I just wow. was feeling it. I'm trying to... Why? Wow. Why? Why? Why?
0: Why? Sandy, I uh, want you. Sandy, I want you. That's Dustin Hoffman. Whoa. See, we can we can do this now. Now you can really have a lot of anonymity to chat shit. Yeah, this sounds like um, like the Saw movies. Will you talk to me about how your time at Area 51, what the things you saw when you took. I understand Thank that you. McCarran Air Force, uh, McCarran International, out of Vegas, has a flight that's unmarked Correct. and unnumbered. That that's th- true. shuttle's employees to Area 51. I can't discuss it. Well, you can now because Mr. I we'll call, call you Mr. Z. What if I talk like this? Oh, that's cool because it like drops it down an octave. That's a hard thing to do. I have trouble. I have to. I have to lean into the wind basically. If the what wind's are blowing, it? I go with the wind, direction of the wind. You're basically walking uphill against Correct. the wind. The um, which is a great Bob <laughs> Seger song. <laughs> walking a against the wind I hate that was What they did in like um, Batman to his voice I think it's such a cheat What to Batman? Yeah like he puts the fucking mask on and all of a sudden his voice is like EQ'd low They did that? I thought it was just Bale being like doing his no. thing uh-uh. it's, this, it's, oh. it's
2: artificial Artificial They did it a lot <laughs> Yeah did They did the first one too uh, Dark Knight, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I guess I didn't notice it. I thought it was Bale doing his thing. Being like. I
2: think he's just going like this. But yeah. I think that they turn the... Whatever, they EQ it differently. They sweeten they it, it. differently.
1: You don't like sweetening? What does it make you think about when you hear this?
2: Backseat of the car. My mom lighting a ciggy.
1: Really? Like yesterday. I, I see. Like Boss Seeger is so emotional, it's almost They're like a alone. weapon. Like, his three hits...
2: Against the Wind, fucking uh, Night, Night moves. moves, and what's their one? I, I give thumbs up to Night Moves. I think they're like, there's We played so, one in the Ponzi Lads. We played, um, what's the other one? The Well, there's Night Moves, is the main... Night Moves is fantastic. Old
1: time rock and roll, but old time rock and roll I
2: fucking hate, because it's got that, he, you, you know, know he has, it's he has a song the, about a song. He has the worst song of all time. Which is what? Cat Men Do. I didn't know that song. The live version of "Catmandu," which is like twelve minutes long.
1: Oh, it sounds bad already.
2: Catmandu. So that it's reminds like, so your mom. Just listening to, listen to It just reminds me of like the radio. No, she right. wasn't. She was listening to classical music, but really? if we got the AM on. There would be some, usually some Siegs. I remember. Do you remember Bob Costas's late night talk show in the mm-hmm. late eighties? I don't
1: think I watched that. No.
2: It was called "Later with Bob Costas," and right. it, was, it was like after Letterman. Um, and he would oh, I interview think I saw people. Come
1: on, That was like, and no with, thanks. And with
2: really cool people, right? He would do like two nights. Like he had oh, Richard Lewis on for two nights, so right? Go deep, go deep. Yeah. He had Seeger on for three nights. Wow, <laughs> didn't warrant it. Didn't what did hold Seeger up? say? Not a lot. Do you remember the movie American Pop?
1: Uh, the, Vaguely, yeah. Was the it the animated? animated? Yes. Yes. And there's
2: a, the Seeger thing in that. The, he plays, like, Night Moves is like the hit from it. Like, it's like what the guy just comes up with in the studio. Off I just the,
1: remember the guy who was like the sort of hippie guy who goes through, like, he goes to the Middle America and he meets some girl in the cornfield. It's,
2: it's, That's the guy? It's Night Moves. Yeah. Oh, That's see, the Night Moves I watched story. this
1: when I was pretty young. And that was yeah.
2: Like... We saw it in New York when I was in sixth grade, and it, I'll never forget. Wow. That's why I kind of have a thing for Night Moves.
1: Because of that Night movie.
2: Moves. Oh, terrible name. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> doing
1: to the sound of did you get into music before you started acting?
2: Oh yeah, way before.
1: So how did you get into music?
2: It was just always there. I mean, I. I um, was your you
1: had a musical family?
2: Um, a musical fan family. I was had, that, okay. then, yeah, I mean, my sister and mother both played the piano, but stopped, but I was always playing the piano, but, um... When you say they played the piano, they were just, like, lessons. casual? No, or like, just... cl- like, classical. Okay,
1: but, like, casual at home, he had a yeah. piano at the house. Yes, exactly. So they just were, like, they were bedroom musicians, basically. Yeah,
2: and, but, like, because I had an older brother and sister,
1: oh. seven
2: years older and four years older, respectively, um, you get exposed... To I was born in 1969, so yeah. when I was like my sister was buying those Yes Zeppelin Wings records right. when I was like three. So you're hearing it as you're, so you're growing hearing it as you're growing up. So yeah. I grew, and then my parents were strictly into classical music and jazz, um, which is weird given their ages. But what
1: kind of jazz? Cool jazz, like cool like West Coast jazz, like
2: West well like Miles Davis, Bubeck, yeah. Bill Evans, JJ John Johnson. Mulligan. Chet Baker, Gil, uh, Gil Evans, Gil Evans stuff. I have all that. What's your favorite of that genre? I have all their records, which is great because I have um, Miles and Bill Evans. Yeah, I used to
1: be really into Bill Evans, man.
2: Yeah, that was my dad's big thing, and so it's it's that's emotional stuff for me. How My Heart Sings is kind of my one of my all time favorite records.
1: I used to like Bill Evans a lot because I felt like he's the only jazz musician who I used to listen to. And was like, oh, I kind of look like that guy,
2: <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. could
1: pass as Bill Evans. You could pass
2: as Bill Evans. You'd be great in the Bill Evans biopic.
1: Yeah, I just have to learn to smoke constantly
2: and do heroin.
1: Yeah, I think I could probably they could probably fudge the heroin. This is an album you used to listen to all the fucking time. Was Portrait in Jazz? Yep. That one was the. Do you know the whole story about Bill Evans? Is how. Bill Evans was the closest to Ahmad Jamal that Miles Davis could get. Evidently, Ahmad Jamal was who Miles Davis really wanted to be his session musician and and, and arranger, but Ahmad refused to work with him because he didn't want to work outside of a trio format. Hmm. And I guess the bill was the best that he could get. And even then, Bill didn't like working with
2: him. I guess I don't think I don't think Miles I think Miles must have been tough. But you know, Bill wrote the. Liner notes for Kind of Blue, which is interesting. He did. Yeah.
1: Okay. I feel like I've read so many different ones. I don't know. Maybe in the I,
2: original liner notes. I think. What do you uh, say?
1: He's like, this guy's, this, this guy's talked, on my back. You talked about it's giving me shit about my hair. Doing all that
2: mode stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah. they're playing in different modes. What
1: do they call? It? They call it like, um, block not block chords. Is a block chords sort of is that sort of the idea? I mean, the idea is
2: Mixolydian, and this, this yeah. you're starting the scale on a different note. Yeah. And and. and so I don't know. He talked about basically trained. me neither. But he's, he's basically said whatever you make music on mm-hmm. makes you a musician. Even though he was so incredibly you know, he was technically so proficient. Who Bill? Yeah.
1: Yeah. What do you mean whatever you make music on makes Like you-
2: anything like if you I don't remember the exact quote, but right. it was whatever you express through sound yeah. is music. That makes sense. And so I think hes he, he was talking specifically about improvisation.
1: Right, because that's what got me really into him, was when I learned about the whole spontaneous improvisation thing they were doing yeah. in those records. Yeah. It just killed me, because I was like, oh, this is so cool, because there's sort of There's no... Line. They're there's sort no... of just moving around. But it's not, it doesn't sound like Ornette Coleman. It doesn't sound like this fucking right. aggressive, crazy shit. But it's still you hear the improvisation there, and it felt so so much like a,
2: a group dynamic that you didn't. Right. I mean, I think the difference, like in those, I think I may be talking out of my ass, but is that unlike jazz that came a little earlier? There's no head. To, I mean, there's a head to those songs, but there's no melody. Yeah. Like, you think about all blues. There's the. Dun, yeah. Dun, 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 and he, Listeners, ba- dun, the
1: head of the song is the establishment of the melody.
2: Thank you. We should oh, play that right is, now. I guess there, I, there but... is. I guess there is a, a, a melody there. Ding, ding, ding. it's really the only that, song only yeah. jazz song i can play on the piano properly really yeah everything else is, my brain doesn't work that way so i tried I, I took jazz lessons in high school and I was like nope can't really it's it, just too much going on it's too much I, to, mean, I also think that I have a pop ear not a jazz ear I think you grow yeah. up things certain things make sense to you right and the beatles made sense to me right I mean, like even if I didn't know what it was I was like okay I get
1: you get the feeling the of Jazzing
2: when they're like, Oh no, this is a flat thirteen and then you're yeah, playing diminished nine. I think, oh my god, these these scales and the chords and
1: Yeah. That. I mean I did study jazz for a long time but I didn't really What and what were you playing? Bass.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah,
1: I played bass for a while. I played on a trio of guys like through all through high school we played and I got really into it, but it was something where I was never great at it, you know, I was never like
2: so you're playing upright?
1: Yeah, I play upright toward the end. So my it's question hard, is man. for
2: always a jazz basis: is like, do you know all the diminished scales and augmented scales and yeah. modes and all that stuff? Or you just kind of- I learned all the shapes pull, of the scales. Yeah. Shapes of the scales. Cause then you, so. you're you off the root and you can- Yeah, it's not that hard.
1: Right? I feel, it's not, in some ways it is hard, but I feel like for, for me, it's like a thing where I learned it visually and, uh, which I think is kind of a shortcut. Like, I learned the shape of all the different scales. Like, I know, in my head, I, can, I see the Dorian, I see, like, the mixed lady, I see that stuff. You do. And so I know that, but I didn't really know, like, if you're going into, I know, like, the real, the real cats.
2: <laughs> the real cats. <laughs> You know, those real wanna go, cats, you wanna man. You want to go up to the baked potato? You want to go up to the baked potato after yeah. this? Yeah.
1: Man, there's some real cats up there. They're really just throwing down some heavy... Trying to keep jazz alive, even Jazzers. though it's been dead for so long. It's unbelievable.
2: Jazzers. Jazzers. Yeah, so th- you think the real guys don't... Well,
1: the real th- cats, they fucking know. They know stuff in and out where it's like, okay, you're in C major 7 right now, but that, that doesn't mean the shape of the scale is different. Even though... I would just cheat. I would just do right. stuff where I'm playing like the the tonics, or I'm just playing like the main parts of the scale where I know, I, I, as long as I hit the, the safe fifth, note, the safe third, note. and the seventh, and, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: the, the
1: and the root and, and everything, I'm okay. But there's a lot of stuff where you can get away with, like the really cool sounding stuff evidently is when you can, you just know the in and out so you know how.
2: And then you can play off what they're yeah, improvising. I always Coltrane thought maybe, maybe I could have done okay in jazz if I had played a note, an instrument that Played a single note. The piano thing was just comping. I mean, there's just yeah. too many, too many choices. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe if I had been a horn player or a bassist, but
1: but so you know. got into jazz. Like, how old were you when you started listening to that stuff? Because you said you saw classical
2: music at home. My dad always listened to jazz. So it was like okay. my mom listened to classical, my dad listened to jazz, and then I took I was taking classical lessons, and then I wanted to take jazz, and I did that in high school a little bit, but it was too hard.
1: Your family was religious. No. Not I mean, all. reform, Judaism. What does that mean, though? I, I don't reform? Yeah. So in a, I have no
2: idea. In, in, in America, there's basically three denominations of Judaism, if yeah. that's the correct word. Reform, conservative, and orthodox. Orthodox is orthodox. special clothes. Not necessarily, but uh, that's one right. sect. Yeah, within, but like the Hasid. Like, like Hasid are orthodox, Hasidim but not all orthodox are. would be Hasidic. Okay. Like uh, there's orthodox people, you know, they'd probably be wearing a skull cap, but yeah. other than that, keeping kosher, sh- right. sh- uh, Shabbat, all that stuff. Conservative is kind of like medium range, and then reform is kind of like,
1: meh. So, it was reformed as being like you
2: don't eat pork and you just no, basically— No, we, we didn't keep kosher. We didn't oh, really? So. Oh, yeah, no.
1: So, it, what does it even mean then to be a reformed Jew? It's like being a Catholic?
2: Kind of. Okay. I mean, you go, uh, you just go to means, service. It means what you want. I mean, it means what you want it to mean. Oh, so mean it's some kids get by some don't. Some, you know, you go to high holiday services and some kid, people go to Shabbat and a lot don't. We didn't. It's
1: casual.
2: It's, it's reformed. It's Judaism with lowercase J. Correct. Okay. It's Jewish.
1: Because I read that and I was like, oh I, I always get those I got this stuff confused. Like
2: when we went to religious school in Reformed Judaism, I felt like at that time, and I don't I can't speak for it presently, but we studied culture of Judaism probably more than we did anything religious. Which like was there was like it
1: was more poppy seed versus sesame. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: was more about immigration uh-huh. and uh the Holocaust. Yeah. And um Jewish music and right. Jewish humor and, and then, you know, there would be Bible stories, but it it was, there wasn't a ton of God in it. There was, yeah. there was more devotion to Klezmer. a culture. <laughs> I wish. I love, I love Klezmer. <laughs> yeah, that stuff is cool. Yeah.
1: It's weird how that stuff is like, it does have like a, a jazz, uh, it, just, it meets in the middle kind of thing.
2: I think it's like European, uh, bluegrass basically. Yeah.
1: Right? yeah. Because it's got that, it's that certain scale. I can't think of what it is.
2: I think it's just a minor scale,
1: isn't it? I think there's actually technically some difference between uh, the klezmer scale and the, like, the Arab. It's like, you know, like, uh, we both make falafel, but there's one thing we do differently, <laughs> and we're going to go to fucking war about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's the sesame poppy season. I one, think right? that's right what there. it is. Yeah.
1: I prefer poppy.
2: Yeah, I don't think ses- the sesame seed bagel thing, it's not like that's not a bagel. To me. But I do like sesame seed bagels, so they're toasted. This is not Fine, but let's not call it a bagel. Really? I mean, I guess that's unfair.
1: Oh, what is a bagel? I enjoy
2: an onion bagel the best. I think yeah, but
1: them. the problem is the onions or an usually... an egg bagel. Eggs are good. Eggs are good. I have a problem with onion because usually the onions are dehydrated. There's some sort of weird metallic component to it. I like that. You do? I do. But you taste it later. I like it. It's like you're tasting metal. Don't I you taste like, that?
2: I like it. Wow. I chew a lot of metal.
1: Really? You got a lot of fillings, a lot of dental work?
2: Nope, I just put metal in my mouth. Okay, good. It reminds me of my childhood in bagels. In Chicago. In Ch- Chicago. Did you grow
1: up in downtown Chicago?
2: <clears throat> I grew up, uh, I was born in the city, and then we moved to the suburbs, and then we moved back to the city. So, really? Um, I kind of got all of it.
1: Was yeah. it like a, Was it? Um, what do you call it? Uh, tumultuous?
2: No. Cool. It was chill. It was pretty chill. You mean all the moving? Yeah, there wasn't that much moving. Oh. It sounds like it when you say it all in one sentence, but no. Did you ever listen to Ahmad Jamal? Yes,
1: I feel like I want to play one some of the, his shit because that makes. I always think of Chicago when I think about Ahmad Why? Jamal. Why is he a
2: Chicago guy?
1: Um, I think he kind of is, but uh, he didn't. He played a lot live at the at the uh, the Nighthawk because there's that label. What's that Chicago label um, that did a lot of blues and jazz releases? It's a big label. They I think they're not around anymore. It's not chess. Maybe it's chess.
2: Not blue note. That wasn't Chicago. That would have no, been New York, right? It's uh, maybe it's Chess. Chess. Was, chess was mostly blues. That was like the muddy waters. What's the stuff. label
1: called? He had he had some stuff on this label. I wanna say it's like something like from this album, uh at the Pershing, but the Pershing's not in Chicago, is it? Mm mm. This is uh here we go. Chess. What's Brennan's what are you saying, Brennan? Chicago, Chess is Chicago Chess is Chicago, but I thought it was more Well, There's produced, a but different label that put out stuff too, right? What's the other label? Chess is where I'm Satisfaction
2: Amazon. was
0: recorded Delmark, oh, Delmark. Delmark, that's sure.
1: the one Delmark's fucking outstanding But that's a pretty small label Wow, this is the most boring thing I've ever talked about
2: most what?
1: I'm most boring, <laughs> I'm talking about fucking this record label That's like defunct That put out like maybe, you know, 20 records I My- have Jay McShan
2: my friend uh, and roommate uh, and musical partner for a while worked at a place called JRM in Chicago, the Jazz Record Mart.
1: Oh, I've been there many times. Mm-hmm. I've bought a bunch of Delmark records there and shit, man.
2: And, and, you know, JRM's m- gone, right? I think it's gone, yeah. Yeah,
1: that place was the shit.
2: That place was insane. I mean, he worked there, yeah. so like he was responsible for cataloging that stuff. That guy was crazy. Yeah. But that was an I, mean, I I just kind of took it for granted because I grew up there. Right. That that's what record store that's what a jazz record store would be like. You couldn't find a place like that.
1: No, there's there's no place like that. I feel like no. that's pretty weird. I think Chicago too, as far as I'm as far as my experience, Chicago is the bet one of the best places in America to buy records. Mm. Like there's something about like the intersection of price and availability. Uh-huh because there's always like heads but they're all like kind of like oh I don't have I just I, I like to collect It's like uh-huh. did you have 5,000 records it's like yeah well, I just I just like a lot of that stuff It's like it's like the, sort of that modesty that meets um like the 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 work ethic and work ethic put into collecting, meaning sort of the modesty as well. What did what were you doing in Chicago? I just visited there a lot. Uh-huh. I tried to move there when I was younger because I really wanted to join Second City to uh-huh. study comedy, but I couldn't get a job in Chicago, so uh-huh. I ended up moving to LA because you know Minnesota's not very far. Right. Yeah, just like Chicago.
2: Where in Minnesota did you grow up? Rochester. Sure.
1: It's, you know, it's, sure. it's a little, little shit town. Is there a school in Rochester? Like a university? Yeah. No, I think there might not even be a four-year there. Okay. So we, have, we just have the Mayo Clinic. That's oh, yeah, the Mayo Clinic.
2: That must be what it is. Yeah. Where have you been? Thankfully, no.
1: Yeah. Maybe i will go someday. Well, so when did you stop? I hope not. Well, it's cool. If you want to get some good treatment in a real boring place...
2: Well, I just don't want to get sick.
1: Well, here's the thing. Maybe if you can... Uh,
2: do they do teeth whitening? Because, like, maybe I...
1: I should dead. get whitened. I think I need to get whitened. Have you ever done whitening? I have. You have. I did it. How long ago did you do it? For A couple... A fir- few years. When's the first time you did it?
2: Ooh. I've only done it twice.
1: Did your agent or like, Paul? <laughs>
2: Dude. <laughs> Dude. The yellow thing is out. Yeah. Uh, I just remember them saying, like, you can't eat anything green or brown for four days. And I was like, that's easy. And then it was, like, not easy. Who's them? The people who did it? The Mayo Clinic people. The agency? (laughs) The Mayo Clinic people (laughs) that did my teeth.
1: CAA has a teeth whitening level. (laughs) Hi, come to the UTA. No, I've heard UTA does better teeth whitening, actually.
2: (laughs) But Gersh is is good for teeth whitening. Gersh is great for teeth whitening because they just do it by hand. Yeah. They just... They just have a bottle of white Bob Out. Gersh is
0: down Bob there Gersh on his <laughs> hands is, and knees. With
2: <laughs> one thing of whiteout.
0: Yo! Oh!
1: Welcome to Industry Specific Podcast <laughs> featuring
2: Paul Edelstein. Stein. Stein.
1: <laughs> I'm going to break a fucking chair in my mouth. <laughs> Paul Edelstein.
2: Leave with Gersh? I was. That's yeah. my first agency. Oh, you're lucky. Why? Because I'm there now and I like it.
1: I think it doesn't the more and more I realize it doesn't matter does it
2: I mean I, it, it it it's like at first do no harm it's like a doctor <laughs> yeah it's like if they're bad they're bad if they're good they're yeah. all the same
1: I had a good well I don't know that's not that interesting I shouldn't I remember, say all the same but I took an acting class uh, years ago like the fr- probably the first acting class I took like a real one and uh, it was Leslie Kahn right sure Everyone goes there. But I think that, that place fucking saved my ass for real because it's talking about, like, hey, you have to actually rehearse what uh-huh, you're doing. Uh-huh. You can't just go on there and be a comedian and be like, right. hey, these, I love, these words are great, but how about this? Right. It's like, how about you do my – so that's what I taught me. But in that class, there's a lot of people – I didn't realize this because in the comedy community, you, most people are pretty cool and interesting and, like, kind of not super diluted. because, like, if you're a comedian, you kind of have, like, a Mm-mm. instant – If you're you're terrible, it takes a lot of delusion to Uh persevere. But if you're an actor, because you're probably not working, you can go a long way without realizing, oh, this is not going to work for me. So there's a lot of people in those classes that, you know, like the whole stereotype, that L.A. stereotype of someone trying to make it? Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, that doesn't really exist. I was like, oh,
0: Oh, this is where it is. Oh, yeah.
1: It's in acting classes. There was a guy in the class— very sweet guy. I don't remember his name. So I wouldn't say it if I did, but he was a foreigner, I think he was like from Turkey or someplace like that.
2: James Franco. <laughs>
1: It was the lesser Frank. It was Ben Franco, actually. Ben he was Franco. actually born in Lebanon, and he has a very heavy accent, and he's got a real hair problem, man. <laughs> Too much in the wrong, not enough not, in the right.
2: Yeah, 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 I gotcha.
1: But this guy, we'll call him Ben Franco, right, was uh, could not speak English very well, but he was in the acting class, and he, um, you know, bless his heart, like, you, you have to, if you can't speak English, you're going to have to you do know. roles of a person who can't speak English, not the other way around. Right. But I remember we were talking... Like in like on break, in the in the um, the the place you eat food, you know, the kitchen. Yep. And I don't know somehow I would mentioned I was at Gersh, and he goes like, "Oh, Gersh boy! Oh, wow! This guy's a Gersh guy! Wow! Oh my goodness! Like, he was
2: so it was a big deal. Blown
1: there. away. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow,
2: wow." So you're saying in comedy because you go out there, you get on stage, and people either laugh or they don't laugh. Yeah. You you have a a win-loss record that's very clear, whereas in auditioning, that's your only—the only acting you're doing is in audition rooms. It's a binary. You get the job or you don't get the job, and the feedback is what the feedback is, and a lot of times you can be like, well— screw this th- these guys totally. they, sh- they should have cast me they didn't get it or because i mean
1: how many times do... have you gone out for something and didn't get it and it's not because you're no, not I... good just because you're not, not the person right. for yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. but We're... with comedy it's like a thing where well people... you have to be pretty deluded to to stay there are people who are just they manage to stay keep to keep at it and they're not funny or there's also people who aren't that funny who do really well because they just work so fucking hard sure
2: which well, I think great. that would also be harder in comedy because, yeah. again, it's a zero-sum game. People either laugh or don't.
1: It's also literally a zero-sum game because you're probably not getting paid ever. Correct. <laughs> like you make almost no money. No money. It's so funny how 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 this, how small amount of money you make as a comedian.
2: How do the—I'm um, also interested when— comedians are, I'm going on the road. Yeah. Do they have agents? Do you just, I think is there like depends. a circuit? Do you just kind of hook up with another? There are circuits. Uh,
1: there are like agency. It's kind of like everywhere and in between. A lot of people uh-huh. just do all this shit on their own. And uh-huh. a lot of people do have like someone booking them. But like, I feel like anytime I've ever had someone book me, it's always helped if I help myself a lot first, because I don't know, it's just like a, that's like a weird, like coefficient there. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, I have to play some Bill Evans real. F- I'm gonna play this a mods blues real quick because I have to go to the bathroom really okay. because so I drink three cups of coffee. Great, I'll be right back. We're taking a quick break on uh, live to tape with Paul, my guest, and we'll be-
2: <laughs> you're just not gonna say my last name, now, are you?
1: <laughs> I'm not.
0: And we're back here on WBEZ (laughs) Chicago with my my guest, one of the original cats, one of the real trombone bros from the lower upper east west side, Mr. Paul Edelstein here in the studio. How does it feel to be here in WBEZ with... Jason yeah. Franco. Hey, Jason. Feels really great to be here, man. Now, you worked with uh, that legendary producer, Jens Walker Flynn. Oh, well, I was talking more about Ahmed Erickson. Oh, uh, yeah. I thought you were talking about Jens. Jens. Oh, Jens Jans- Lankman? Jens Lankman. Jens
2: Lankman. Is that the guy, right? Jens Lankman is an indie guy, right?
1: Yeah, see, this is all, this is what happens now. I'm starting to hit that, that place in my life where everything just sort of blends together. I have all the components, but the puzzle has been scrambled. And the time it takes to reassemble it is like just not worth it. So I just like, you know, why remember when I don't have to? This is one of my favorite songs of all time right here. Hear the what song? is it? Pussiana by. Pussiana? Poen po- C. It's P O I N C I A N A. Hoenn Sienna I, I, There's no way I would say it But it's The Ma Jamal Trio This is a bad year. What one. year is this? This is probably Like 58 This is an Updated version of it It's probably A re-record From the good shit This is a Chess Records Recording
2: So there's no drummer There's a guitarist A bassist and him It's coming Then it's not a trio
1: Oh see This is the wrong one Here Let's listen to this one This is a good one Here it is yeah, this was like killer. This reminds me of being in the hospital.
2: Why does it remind you of being in the hospital? Because
1: I listen to this a lot as when I was in recovery. For so, what? Uh, when I had my colon removed for you know
2: You're your colitis. You had your whole colon removed? Yeah,
1: years ago. It's like fifteen years ago. Jesus. Yeah. Did you hear this song? It's like the. It's, this is basically the. Uh, I would call this the quintessential. Recording that defines space bop.
2: Really, this is space yeah, bop. This Why? is Space
1: bop, because it is. I mean, Ahmad Jamal invented space bop. It's like his term for what he does. But
2: it, it's so cool, jazzy. Exactly.
1: It doesn't? It's kind of a, a misnomer, but it's still. This is space bop. But it's very cool. But it's you know it's cool, but it doesn't have the same like swing as
2: right. like, cool, cool. Also, oh, it's trio, so it's so loose. Right, and there's also no horn. Yeah. I feel like that cool sound is that muted trumpet, yeah. or that Stan Getz saxophone, that super mellow.
1: Is he still alive in Machu Picchu? I think he is. Um, if, I can't remember if he just died or if he's still alive. I think he's... One of the two. Yeah, there's a couple of those guys who just managed... <laughs>
2: That's one of the two. Sonny Rollins is still alive. No, he's not, is he? Yeah. God, he's so old. I man. saw him in college, which was a hundred years ago, it's still. He was alive then too.
1: Yes, Imajumal I'm is alive, man. Born in nineteen thirty. Really? <laughs> yeah.
2: Eighty nine.
1: Wow. I don't get how you how you do that. Stay alive? I guess it's like there's probably like a window. For a jazz musician, where if you make it past a certain point, you're right. gonna make it you're for a long die. time. You're not gonna die. Yeah. If you survive a car crash,es if you don't get into hard drugs,
2: or get off of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brubeck lived, just died, right? He was right. He was old Deep as shit. in his nineties.
1: Right, but he was always clean, wasn't
2: he? I don't know. Probably. I mean, he seemed seemed Paul, like it.
1: Paul Desmond was a junkie, right?
2: Yep. Yeah. Bill Evans. That one was Coltrane. a hardcore
1: junkie. But Coltrane
2: kicked it. But then he died so young.
1: Yeah, but that's because he had uh, he got cancer, though. Oh, he did? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He had something complications. It wasn't from,
2: from junk. He died in his 40s, probably? I don't
1: remember, but it's, it's pretty young. Yeah. Yeah. And same with Miles Davis. That's why Miles Davis hated Bill Evans so much, right? Because he was a junkie, and Miles resented anybody who... Cause he Miles was it, a junkie. But he kicked it early.
2: I don't know. Is that yeah, right?
1: Yeah, for real. That's you, like this you know he thing died was, of
2: AIDS. No, he didn't, did yeah, he? Yeah, he did. I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: Oh. Huh. How did you know? <laughs> did you read the autobiography he wrote?
2: I never did. I feel like like, I never This read motherfucker that and that motherfucker yeah, is like one of those this motherfucker,
1: motherfucker. Yeah, I'm pretty
2: sure he died of AIDS. I mean, oh. it was. Yeah.
1: I'm pr- Maybe he didn't want people to know that. Well, now they know.
2: <laughs> or I'm, no. or I'm wrong, and I'm gonna get yeah. hate mail.
1: Yeah, uh, send your hate mail or to uh, your dumb mail, uh, uh, Michael mail Stevens, Stevens at
2: NBCUniversal.com <laughs> They'll take <laughs> to Asim Bantra. Care of I feel bad. Yes,
1: Asim. She would probably write a good response. Actually, I think she would. I think Aseem Aseem it would be cutting. Is, I was. I'm scared of Asim in that sure. sense. Like I feel like she's a. Uh, what do you call it? What's it called when so you don't hard ass? Hard ass, but it's like a hard ass, like a un, uh, undercover hard ass.
2: Like, a, like doesn't present as a hard ass, yeah. but it's a hard ass, yes. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: So, when did you start acting after you got on all that music stuff? Because um, obviously, you, you played always, all through high school and stuff like that, right? Yeah,
2: and I acted in high school. I you mean, did. You know, school stuff, not professionally yeah. or anything like that. And then um, <clears throat> I started in between uh, sophomore and junior of college. Right. I was home for the summer, and I got involved in this theater company, like, kind of volunteering. It was a Commedia dell'arte company.
1: Which means what exactly?
2: Uh, It was an updated Commedia dell'arte, which is like the Italian improvisation form from the Renaissance. They would travel around. They'd be be like the Harlechino, and there'd be the Lovers, and there'd be the Pantalone, and there these kind of stock characters. It's kind of what all improv is based on. And they'd go around to different towns, putting on shows, but the shows would be a little different each night. Right. Ours was that, based also on this... uh, Thing called theater de Soleil from Paris, which uh, incorporated high that. emotional stakes, happiness, sadness, fear, and anger right. only, and we would use whiteface, a live band, so squared like a off, mime kind of, but like you sort could of? talk, okay, but you made direct eye contact with the audience, wow, and then there was a like whoever's speaking, everyone's looking at, and then when they turn their head to look at the other people, the drum goes. Poof!
1: I've literally never heard of that because I knew about comedy, com- uh, com-
2: Comedia del Arte, and then just the, from a, LA Act- so LA Actors Gang started it. That's Tim, the, uh, Tim Robbins Tim started Robbins. it, and then he started that. He started that company, and he kind of brought Comedia here. Oh, okay. And then um, John Cusack, who's a Chicago guy, was in some of those shows, and he started a company in Chicago called New Crime mm-hmm. that brought Comedia there. And that's what I got involved. So in. So you just
1: started working there, and you started getting into it. Like, I was more like, like, "Oh, I like this." I was a like lot.
2: sweeping the floors and da 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 da. And I, I mean, the first night I saw that, I it was one. It was one of those moments where I thought, "Oh, I want to do this." Yeah. I mean, I always had really liked acting, right? But as a twenty-year-old with kind of a little too much energy, to see something that was so incredibly funny, physical. Yeah. I mean, just you know. Pounds and pounds of sweat, crazy costumes. You can make anything up because it's all you know. You can put a rocket ship up your face and blow your yeah. brains out, and then take the brains to the moon and dig it into the because you have a live band and anything is possible because it's comedy. It's like being in a sincere cartoon. Wow! So it's improv based and what, uh, but also incredibly physically disciplined mm-hmm. because there's all these very set rules in the style. So then you would take they would take a play, mm-hmm. read the play. And then take the characters from the play and just improvise with them for months, and write it all down, and then do a production of the play and incorporate all these different things you've come up with.
1: Is there like a famous version of this that's like not really? Docked?
2: I mean, because it never really. It, it, it can't break outside the live. It can't okay. really be filmed, I don't oh. think. I mean, actors and Actors Gang has, which is the LA yeah company, has gotten away from the stricter commedia and 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 incorporated other things and mm. made because in performance when you're doing text based stuff it has to be a little more varied it can't be you know the full comedian rapid fire improvisation is at the top it, it, there's so much energy mm-hmm. screaming crying spitting bleeding that it, you know in a 2 hour show it would become exo- it would become exhausting to watch okay <clears throat> um but that was the jumping-off point, and I I saw that, and I was just kind of off to the races, and I, mm-hmm. I was, and then I. But the same summer, I started a band with my friends, so that was kind of the. So you just did, did both those all yeah, the time. It, you know, I grew up in a family where there was a lot of art around and a lot of culture around, but nobody. We didn't. I'd never met an artist before. I'd never met a musician or an actor or yeah. anything like that, and so being exposed to that company was a mind blower. Also because I was given an example of people that do this with their lives. I mean, there was John Cusack, who was a movie star and also a theater guy, but then there was all these... You know, he was, there was a movie star back then? He was. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, he was 24 or 5 wow. or something. He had been a movie star for a long time. But See there's right. also all these working actors. were just right. you know, And I was like, oh, people do this with their lives. This mm-hmm. is actually a choice you can make. And they were incredibly disciplined, and there was nothing frivolous about it. It was serious work and I saw an example. I mean and to have any kind of mentorship that sets a good example about work ethic, about what it takes, about yeah is just an, I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back on it, I was incredibly lucky to be exposed to that because oh, totally. you see an ethos that you can ascribe to if it's a healthy for you, you know. And and frankly in music we never got that. We never had that. We didn't really fall yeah. into a scene. We never got a manager. We never. It, it never kind of clicked in that way. We were just kind of out there blindly doing it. It was still great, and and it's really I'm fun. Proud of it and really fun. But the other thing was such, so much clearer to me because I had these examples in front of me. Yeah, that I could see intimately about this works, this doesn't work. This guy did that. This wrong. That seems stupid, you know. I don't know. It so was. You guys would do shows like how often? Uh, in the theater company, yeah. So I, I made the cut to do the play that they were going to do that fall. So I stayed home from college, and we would do usually two plays a year. Because well, so you didn't about, go
1: to college for that.
2: I went back. That's I, I a didn't, pretty bold move, right? I stayed right? home. Yeah, it didn't go over well, I and I, so I stayed home in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I took my junior year abroad in Chicago, uh-huh. and my parents' apartment, and I took up class. I took classes to make up for. Credits and stuff, and then went back to college my senior year to finish. Okay, so I did finish, but we did um, a whole
1: semester with
2: did the, two years, with the, a, the, a full Sun year, group. a full uh, year, full year. So we did two. I did we did two plays that year, and then after college, I did. You know, it was like about two a year. You it took about six months to do. It was in, you know, and we were we would workshop from five to eleven or five to twelve every day. five a.m. Day, five p.m. Okay, to around eleven or midnight, mm-hmm. and then I would go to band rehearsal. And then I would go to the th- restaurant and, and work? That one, yeah, and that what? went on for years. What was your shift at the restaurant? Shitty. But what time? 10 a.m. Oh, okay. Like the lunch shift at a, like, like corporate lunches. So, right? were, you know, or, like I want an iced tea and a green salad and some yeah. lemon, and here's two bucks. And I would make 40 bucks in six hours. It was awful.
1: But how long did you do that for?
2: Years. Four or five years. Four or
1: five years. That was
2: like your sort of... uh, That was the day job. That
1: was like your graduate school kind
2: of. Exactly right. Yeah. It didn't feel... Yeah. I didn't... I wish I'd had that perspective at the time.
1: Yeah. It's hard to... That's like a fucking hard perspective to get people... To give someone even. Like I try to tell like even like my... I don't know. Like my family or like my younger sister or something like that. It's hard to like to convey that time is... Yeah, to look at time that way, as opposed to it being like a
2: well, like yeah, what's the conclusion? Like I was always right. asked, you know, being asked what by my family, what's the plan?
1: What ended up being the thing and that ended that cycle, or not the cycle, but that well, I schedule.
2: Got, I got fired from with a restaurant, <laughs> from the restaurant job, and then I got another restaurant job, and I got fired from that. Yeah, and then uh, I kind of went from Commedia to Steppenwolf Theater, which was in Chicago, and. Was a total dream, and that was equity. So, that, you know, and so you got paid. You got paid. Wow. So, you know, you're getting I don't know what it was. It was five to seven hundred bucks a week. Which so was, it was good. Yeah. Damn. It was great. And, you know, a commercial here, a commercial there. Right. Took a couple of little like uh, tour business gigs. A friend of mine started this company. So you go to the airport and hold up a sign like, Dental, you know, like Liberty Dental. Come with, the, come me. The bus is over here. they see, what like does that 12, mean? 14 bucks an hour. You see people at the airport, like in their jackets, holding up signs for like corporate events. Oh, I guess so. And you get them all on the bus, and you get them into the hotel, and you get them to the restaurant, and you make sure they get to the conference, and you get like twelve, fifteen bucks an hour. Did you
1: perform a bit with them. Nope. There's no like a little bit of glad handing, no, kind of like, nope. oh, right, a wonderful nope. dress.
2: I did have to Great wear. A San- I did have to wear a Santa suit once. It was a low point. <laughs> really, really low point. But uh, then you know, I mean doing the equity shows, like that was that was a living for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Uh-huh. And that was, you know, late 20s. What is that
1: like, though? Because it's like a thing where, he, you know, there's always that weird, it's not like a schism, but there's like a, a th- between people who do theater and then people who are like famous on TV or film, mm-hmm. there's got to be, I, forget, I feel like there's got to be some sort of resentment from the theater community because it's like they're obviously working very hard and doing great work. But a lot of times there's just not, there's not nearly the amount of recognition you get from doing something that's maybe a lot simpler and um, maybe le- maybe probably less work. You know what I mean? Yes, I think that I just, that. Because I, I, I never was in like a theater. Community uh, or. Well, I was, but not like, not to that extent, like not nearly that extent where it's like, well, it was never my job.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I just wonder what what, the, what they think about that.
2: I think that that's probably true. I think it's a little bit of a false comparison. I think that there's, you know, you've had jobs on film and TV that are incredibly challenging. Right. And there's easier theater gigs. I mean, there's a big money difference, obviously. Yeah. And there's a love of the game thing, too. I mean, I loved doing theater, but I wanted to do theater to learn how to act on film.
1: Okay, because that was that's what you wanted to do. I just was that's yeah. what
2: I. I mean, I loved going to the theater in Chicago. I lo- but I loved movies and and I knew that the great actors, you know, Malkovich and and Laurie Metcalf and oh, Metcalf. Mann, all these Chicagoans they had all yeah. been theater actors and they went still did still did theater still still did film and I right. thought that was I, that's what I saw and that's what I, I wanted to do. So I didn't have a. I didn't have a snobbery about theater. I mean, I think some people do. I think that's kind of put on. I mean, I, 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 it turns me off that kind of bullshit. I mean,
1: I think that's very. It's one of those things where maybe it's not the most people, but it's something where the people who are that way seem to represent. They say, "Oh, that's what you're all like," but it's not the case. I feel like if you watch
2: the Tonys, there's a kind of like. If you watch the Tonys, there's a kind of undertone of this is more important than what you do. That's just like such a chip. It's like, get that. Yeah, just, We love. Why is it not all one community? Why would it have to be these two different things? Um, I mean, I went to the opening of uh, Tracy Letts' play last night. Um, Linda, Linda Vista at the Taper. And it was full of, because it's a Steppenwolf production, there was tons of theater people there. Mm-hmm. from Chicago, and most of them work in film and TV, too. Yeah. And they're great. Because you have to work. Because you got to work, and, and, but I mean, I know t- lots of, there is a, you can be a working actor in Chicago and have a nice life. Yeah, for sure. I think you can. Um, it's, yeah, I think you can. There are great opportunities there, and it's an incredible theater community and one of the best theater communities in the world, I would imagine, and, there's a life to be had there.
1: Oh, totally. I mean, I feel and what's like nice people, about I it, is it, is it is that I don't love. think a lot yeah. of
2: the people are doing it. Like that's, this that's the satisfaction is doing it there. You mm-hmm. know, is being in that community and doing that great work.
1: Because it's almost like it's you don't you're not looking outside of that. This is this that is the, your epicenter. It's not like a Correct. stepping stone. That's so right. And that's
2: one of the nice things about Chicago is mm-hmm. it doesn't have that feeling of.
1: Of like, oh! If only I can get to LA. I'm doing
2: this so I can do this. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I guess when I said I was, I was doing that to a certain degree. I mean, I wanted to do all of it, yeah. Um And I got to start working on film in Chicago, which was a great combination of things. But With
1: what? What was the third? first There was thing? a couple
2: of TV shows that shot there, and I ended up getting recurring roles on. They
1: were dramas, right?
2: Both of them, yeah.
1: Is that weird to you? Because you did all that comedy work, and then you're doing well, this, like these but, hard dramas. But the, comi- huh? the
2: Comedia was comedy, but it was also very heavy, serious sincerity. So okay. it had both things. And yeah. then the Steppenwolf stuff, stuff was all drama. Um, I don't know. I never really, I don't know, differentiated the two. I mean, I know that what we do... You've never worked on a drama. You haven't. You'd be great I on think a I've drama. I have never done it. I've You've always never wanted even to. You've done a guest star in a drama. Ever? No,
1: I think I've done. I did a guest star once, on some short-lived, hour-long, like procedural. But it was also the guest star was it couldn't have been weirder and more like it's basically playing like a fucking alien guy. Uh-huh. So it was like, uh, there's nothing, you know. You mean he like was, an
2: alien nerd guy, I believe in aliens, or a guy that's an actual alien?
1: I can't remember. It was like a guy who was an alien who no one could see, but the main guy, it was called Perception. It was with, what's the guy from Will and Grace, the main guy? Eric McCormick? Yeah, Eric McCormick. It was, it was a short-lived show he was on that was called Perception. It was and was he a- very
2: perceptive? Was I that the, even, was honestly? That
1: the... I don't even remember. It was something I got offered. I don't know why I got offered it, but I did it, and I had my hair like fully spiked up in this wall that was red and I was wearing a red suit and I sort of just had like a few scenes with him and I would appear to him and talk to him and tell him stuff that he only I don't really know man it's one of those things where it's like the, the further I get away from it the more I have trouble explaining it or even figuring out how I've that even happened. I've
2: lost the plot I can't even imagine what you're talking
1: about I don't know about. what it was it was something with I didn't I love know what those,
2: I was doing I love shows like I love those names of those shows like, was always, always like meant The Mentalist The Mentalist you know what the mentalist is about? The guy's smart. That's the thing. Yeah. He's the mentalist.
1: Oh, he's a fucking he's a,
2: mentalist, this one. He doesn't have a power or anything. He's just super observant.
1: <laughs> hmm. His shoes are untied. Maybe exactly. Exactly. he's a it's dirty a, person. I, mean, I bet his bathroom is foul. That's right. Well, I think we're looking for someone with a foul bathroom who's a dirty person who likes to eat children's cereal breakfast for every day. The mentalist. The mentalist. But you've done know, all those you know, you're like a drama dude. Um, I like it all. We've done a ton of that, though.
2: Yeah, but that was just. That's just interesting to me because it's like. Because it's, it's not really a choice. But I it's mean, a, such a different work environment, isn't it? Yes and no. I mean, it. Oh. It, 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 oh. <laughs> I mean, I've never done a sitcom, so I, I I can't. Well, you have now. Well, I mean, a sitcom, a three, like a multi cam in front of an audience. You've never, never done, done a
1: multi cam? No. Not even guessed it? No. I, I guessed it for my first time in multi cam just the other day. How was it? It was really fun. What and was I was it? nervous. It's what? some Disney Channel show, like a kid show. But it was still like a legit multi cam setup. Yeah. Everything.
2: Was it fun to be in front of an audience like it that? It was fun as hell.
1: It was like, it's oh like my God, a, this is what I wanted. I'd rather have doing
2: that. It's like being in a play. I mean, you, yeah. you get to laugh, right? It's great. It's like
1: doing stand up and acting in the same. It's, yeah. like, it's like a perfect blend of the two.
2: Jason Bateman says the difference between um, acting and performing. Yeah, that it's a little performery. It's like you know, right. it has to be. It's for the audience. Like you're, you like you're turned out. Yeah, you're, you're, you're always it's like doing a little play.
1: Yeah, you're, there's a stage picture. There's you're a like, stage picture. You exactly. have like a, you're aware of what you're addressing, and you do a lot of stuff where it's like I'm talking to this person in my right, but I'm but saying really like, outs. look, I don't listen to anybody but Jason. Right, and you turn to yeah, Jason, or maybe you just quarter turn to Jason.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I I had a. Network test for a sitcom once, and they wanted to see me on camera, so I did a multicam thing on a set. Right, but there was no audience. What was it? Do you remember? Did it survive? It was a Cynthia. No, it didn't. It it was the pilot was shot, but it didn't get picked up. Yeah, but I've I don't think I've ever auditioned more for anything ever in my life. What do you mean, like with So I think I must have gone in twelve times. I think I auditioned for The Friend, and then went back for The Friend. What year was then this? Then for The Lead, and then for the... Uh, was, was this pre-2008? eight two thousand. Yes. Oh, Why? So this is cause, is this the internet stopped? No, 2008
1: is when all the money went away. Oh, For real, that's like when shit, like, oh, we can't afford to just make stuff. We'll, we don't have, like, immense amount of capital to just piss away on a little idea that some person uh, who's mildly vetted came up with.
0: It uh-huh.
1: became a thing where, like, that's when I got fired from Fox, <laughs> which was the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life. But I got fired from this, it was just like a dumb, stupid job working for, like, the Fox.com. I did nothing, uh-huh. essentially.
2: But they fired a lot of people because it was like... What, what are we doing with our money? Yeah, was that devastating, or were you? No,
1: it was the greatest thing that ever happened. Uh huh. Because it was like, oh, now I don't have to have a job. I can collect unemployment. I can just do comedy all the fucking time.
2: Uh huh.
1: I can, which was yeah, which was great.
2: Don't have to go to the office every day.
1: Don't go to the office. It can just be a bum and like you know, yeah. Obviously, there's rough patches, but I feel like it's weird how that's what a blessing that kind of shit is. You know, like getting released from some sort of responsibility, even though you're getting paid. Mm hmm. Like being under contract.
2: I want to go back to the Chicago thing. I don't feel like I described it properly. Describe what you experienced there. No, like the the, the theater co- community there is so rich and contained. Like it is. What's nice about Chicago is it is obviously on par with New York in terms of theater quality, but it is still feels like a small community. And yeah. it's incredible. I think there's incredible value to that.
1: There's a reason all those people came from there. I feel like all my all the people I when I first met in Up who I liked the most came from Chicago. Is that right? All, yeah, that's like for real. Like who?
2: Um, well, it's not name names, I guess. Well, I can't. I mean, so like, we do here. like
1: Kyle Conant is a good friend of mine. and I think like he,
2: I hate he, uh, hate him.
1: He's really funny, but all, I mean, I guess it's that vibe. It's the people who are like, it's that same thing I'm talking about, like where there's like a humbleness, but it's also just That's like right. an aggressive, like, let's just be funny all the time because
2: I, th- I think that the work ethic closer to death. <laughs> I think that the work ethic and the doing it for the love of it yeah. thing is very very strong there. I don't know. Why that is necessarily? I've never lived in New York, so I can't compare them. But I certainly know that when I came to LA, like you're describing that guy in your class, yeah. You know, I was told, well, there's an obsession there's with so status. many more people, right? There's so many more people. There's more opportunity, but there's so many more people that want it. It's out of proportion. You know, if you went to an audition in Chicago for theater or for film or whatever it was, if there's ten people in the room. Yeah, six to eight of them are. Legit, right? In L.A., it's two. You think of, so? I do. Wow. I mean, that was my experience. Yeah. You'd look around and you'd be like, kind of like you'd be like, "Oh, that guy's not an." I mean, he came to L.A., but right, that guy's just the best-looking guy from his high school. That doesn't right. make him an actor. I'm not, not necessarily meaning he's not trained or hasn't worked at it, but that in Chicago, you really got the sense of everybody had kind of made their bones or was yeah. making their bones. Who's there? My friend,
1: we have to fix these lights. See, because we can see them and they can see us. It should be like we can't see anybody out there because it's so dark.
2: What, that'd and we're, be creepy.
1: No, it's great. See, Bren's gonna fix it right now. So it becomes more like this. We, we need the. need the. That light's gotta be. I've got to close that door. We gotta pump wait, this w-
2: off. Wait, I don't understand
1: why. Why? So it creates this effect, like we're like sort of in this, this, <laughs> this place that we're isolated. We don't have to have to consider the. Uh, yeah, see, now it's only got a good effect. I can see just enough, but I can see, like, Noah. if Noah gets up and walks around, I'm going to see him, but it's like, yeah, man. Yeah, man. But that's what I'm trying to say, man. You know what I'm saying, dog?
0: Paul's on his gentlemen. Oh. Paul is currently using his iPhone to type a text message to text me. No,
2: I'm not. Text, did you text me? I'm texting a friend of mine who just asked me oh, Okay. about a plot
0: point. For what? For is, the, in, for, in something he's writing. For I feel bad? No. No. How did you get into writing as well? Um, you've created some shows and you've, wr- you've written. I uh, is it born out of frustration or something else? No,
2: it was it was um, a guy from that same theater company from New Crime, S- New
0: Crime, which was John Cusack from right. *Steppenwolf*. Uh, no, that's a separate. So, well, it's you know, it's all the same to me, dumbass. All right. <laughs> a guy named Steve Pink. Do you know right. Name? Was he a triple threat or a double threat? He's a double threat. <laughs> <laughs> he does not dance or sing. <laughs>
2: uh, he, we wrote a pilot together. He had uh-huh. been a, he'd become a pretty successful writer and we, I had an idea for pilot. And he said, "Let's do that together." I said, "Really?" And so we wrote that together. and We sold it, and nothing ever happened with it, which is sad. But you sold the pilot, but it didn't get. It, get, it didn't get made. It didn't
1: get made. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was such a good idea too, and it was. What fun. was it? It was a um, an FBI show.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say that. It was a cult show. It was about a cult. Ooh. Imagine if Steve Jobs had become. A cult leader, a cult leader, or like Elon Musk had become a cult leader. Yeah, kind of like a doomsday cult. Yeah, about an undercover FBI agent inside the doomsday cult. You don't know. You know the big reveal in the pilot. So is this that, is an is that, hour is it's a drama. Person? Yeah, yeah, and that the FBI thinks maybe the person who's gone undercover has been turned. Kind of had a. It was kind of before Homeland. It kind of had a yeah, Homeland okay. idea. Like this person may have actually in too now, deep. In too deep. Donnie and Brasco, somebody, and then somebody else has to go in and get them out and and see and see and evaluate evaluate Uh so anyway didn't go and then I uh, got cast on a show called Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce that Marty Noxon created who I had worked with on Private Practice and she knew I had written this pilot Mm -hmm. and after we shot the pilot of Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce we were talking one day and she said would you want to come into the writer's room and write on this show and I'm like oh my gosh yes what a great thing and I'd never been in a writer's room before which was totally revelatory to me about writing because I always thought writing was sitting alone in a room which it is at a certain point but breaking story as a group and sitting around a table with all these interesting smart people who had different Mm. perspectives and it becoming a dialectic was an amazing thing and so Marty brought me into that I wrote on that show for two years while I was acting on it and then the guy who directed the pilot of that show Adam Brooks who was a feature guy uh had an idea for a pilot, and we kind of became fast friends. I, you know, he was one of those guys a little bit older and very accomplished, and I just followed him around set being like, what about this? What do you think of this movie? What about that uh-huh. thing of Goodfellas? Hey, what, when you shot this, what did you do? You know, I was that guy, and right. he was very patient with it. And then he wanted to write this pilot, and he had never written for TV before, and he thought we would be a good pairing, and we wrote The Imposters, and it became a show on TV. So, yes, yeah,
1: on um, Bravo.
2: Yeah. How can strange. People,
1: people can watch it, right? Yeah, After the first season's it.
2: on Netflix, and the second season will be on Netflix. And um... has it aired yet? Yeah,
1: the second season hasn't aired yet. Not
2: on Netflix. It aired on Bravo. Oh, but no, it'll okay, be on Netflix yeah. in April. Is it? Uh, nice. Are we getting played out?
1: No, I just did that.
2: Oh, that's I like it. But it
1: does sound like we're playing out. Do you want? Do want to be played out?
2: I'm. My life is played out. Do wanna,
1: oh, is it really?
2: No, no I just like not. that expression. I think you're just getting started. Oh, played off. It's not played, played out. Played
1: off. Right? Yeah, I always get played off. My wife plays me off every night.
2: Whoa! Bazing Yeah. Do you have crazy radio sound effects in there? Like, uh,
1: I probably could. I could pull some up. But see here, I'll try to get some. I, I guess the answer, short answer is no. I don't. They're in here, but that's okay. I don't. Like so is them. all the information ever collected by humans? You know. Right. Yeah, man. That's interesting. I was so, I was asked that because it's like. I don't know. I feel like writing, if you're like an actor or a comedian, writing is something where, they always, they always to me, it always feels like there's like a, like a division, kind of, because a lot of writers are like, I'm a writer, and you're not. And if yeah. you're an actor, it's like, oh, you're an actor, you're not a writer, kind of thing. Uh-huh. It seems to be like, oh, well, that's a very dumb, old, defensive I agree. thing. But I definitely have felt that on set. I've felt that before. And I don't like feeling that. And no. It's like a thing where... I guess, you know, for me, I just get, um, I get tired of, uh, just doing one thing. Cause I feel like it's not, you know, it's like having just an appetizer. Yes. It's a great appetizer, but it's like, I'm still hungry. I I, I, can, I
2: agree. And I, I always, I like, always, you know, I was told so many times by so many people in my family, uh, that the music acting thing was, um,
1: was a dead end
2: that i had to do one or the other that doing both was uh, a waste yeah. or that it was going that i would you know end up not getting to do either
1: because you're going to piddle away the energy on Correct. Yeah.
2: and then i had to kind of commit and it was
1: But you did commit essentially. i in a way. committed because People asked you to, to, exactly yeah, because like, oh, I had opportunity. I yeah. went where the
2: opportunity was. Right, if, totally. If you two had come to us and been like, "We want to open for you," I would have gone to Europe and right. toured. You know, like I I went where not the path of least resistance, but I went. I followed the opportunity. I never stopped playing music. I never. Yeah. Um. And then with the writing thing, I, I find it uh, similar. I mean, there is it was always something I was interested in doing, and I. What's really fun about. Film and TV is that if you're interested and you're around enough, you can learn all these other things. I mean, you it's like are paid. on set long enough, and if you're curious about not everybody is, they don't have to be, but if you're curious about how a movie gets made and you have your shit down, you just you pay can, attention. You can pay attention. Yeah. And there's a lot of hours there by like, what's that guy do? Right. What's she doing? What's that? You know, <laughs> how's this work? What's this button do? <laughs> and
1: yeah, I'm trying to be the first gaffer actor. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. G- <laughs> I was a lead
1: gaffer Gactor. on this movie, and I also I also acted in it. That would probably that was probably the one thing you probably would not be allowed to do.
2: I think because of the uh, electricity.
1: Yeah, electricity. Do and you know
2: that uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, um, DP, Phantom Thread, too?
1: Yeah, but it's that's insane. He's, he's DP'd a lot of his I don't, films, no, hasn't No, I don't
2: think so. I mean, maybe essentially, um, but he always had a DP. But
1: didn't uh, what's his name? Uh, good old Mr. Mr. Kubrick do the same thing?
2: Not technically, I don't think. It's I don't like think thing. he's like listed as the cinematographer.
1: Oh, okay. See, I thought it was like a thing where I mean maybe he's not listed, right? But he is doing it, but he hires a guy. He's the person who's technically the DP, but the DP is sort of standing there going like he, every once in a while he answers a lens question and he goes. yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, I I I think that you anamorphic is yes, that's good. Yes, okay. Uh-huh. Oh you already put it on the camera. Okay, that's yeah. good. Yes, it's good.
2: I worked on a Michael Mann movie and he had we well, fired the DP in the first week and then and he was like l- literally moving lights himself. Ooh. And then he had that guy's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, and he had uh, tough sets. Not what do you mean tough pleasant. sets? Not pleasant.
1: I feel like I liked. I would love to be in a well. Very very, very macho. Sets.
2: Very very macho. He's macho, and the whole of... set is macho. Oh, Everyone's screaming. Every day is eighteen hours, and there's a kind of like, if you can't fucking handle it, you're a pussy. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Um, anyway he had a an Italian photographer I can't remember the guy's name who was older Vittorio Storano that's right Vittorio Storano and he was it actually Vittorio Storano no is that a person I think it's the guy who shot Apocalypse Now oh yeah. he was not a cinematographer Mm -hmm. he was a photographer but he was his visual consultant so they would kind of Compose frames together.
1: Okay, the framing here is uh, There is a uh, too much uh, white over here.
2: That's for a really. This, that's uh, a really offensive. Um, uh, no. that's a really offensive characterization of Italian American uh, Italians.
1: Puriu, para, sì sì. Ooh. Uh, largo pantalones, uh, la pantalone, sì sì. Paul e eh, no. Paolo. Non c'è. Paolo. Paolo eh? Perdono. Uh, uh, Paolo eh? And in the frame. Okay? Good. Much gooder. Okay. Excuse me. Mr. Paul. Asiago Chisno. You're going in
2: big trouble. From who? Whom? The Itali- Come and
1: get me.
0: Italian. Come and get
1: me, you Italians. slobs. I got nothing, Paul. I, I'm, I'm Italian, basically, so. It's all right? If I, say, if I say I'm Italian, I'm Italian.
2: You identify as Italian?
1: Um, Sometimes, yeah. Okay. What do you, mm. you identify as Jewish, right?
2: Yeah, in Italian and that's an Irish.
1: easy, man. I have I have um, jealousy for that. I wish because it's nice if you can identify it as a culture because you
2: have like a thing. But I don't like I don't I don't think about it that way.
1: Well, I think it's that's because weird. you don't have to think about it.
2: But I don't because it's mean, like I identify oh, as American, I guess.
1: Yeah, I identify as American too. Do you have an American flag on your k- truck?
2: Sure. Well, yeah, my truck, yeah.
1: Okay, I have one too.
2: And on my and on my <laughs> uh, boots? lower back,
1: I want the sole of my boots and my lower back. You do?
2: Mm-hmm. Even LBT. Lower back tattoo. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Well, you, you know what I'm saying, though. I just want to be Jewish. If I can't be Jewish, I want to be Italian. If I can't be Italian, I want to be French. If you can't be French, I want to be What Asian.
2: is your uh, ethnicity? I
1: think it's probably like a bunch of English and— a bunch of whities. Just English and Irish What's and wrong French. wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with it. It's just sort of amorphous and kind of
2: nonspecific. Mm. So it doesn't give you like— But I mean, we're I'm a total mutt. Right, but you're Jewish, though. But is it to— you know? There's all oh, that a, matters, doesn't an ethnicity, it? Ethnicity, religious, cultural question.
1: That's true. It's the it is the question, not the final question. <laughs> it's a <the> question.
2: <laughs> it's not the final solution. Hi, it's not the final solution <laughs> to the there question.
1: Was, well, isn't it, doesn't Primo Levi talk about that the 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 the, uh, the Jewish question? Isn't that like a thing? Well, that
2: was the German. That was a German thing. The that ju- was a German ju- thing. How do we what, what do we do about the Jewish question?
1: Right, but isn't that also a thing in Judaism too about like what it means to be Jewish?
2: maybe but i don't think it would ever be presented as the jewish question because i think that has a pretty bad connotation
1: <laughs> i don't remember it that well okay yeah is there something we should play to sort of uh end this to wrap it up a song you want to hear mm. we should play something that's like not in the jazz era.
2: that's not in the jazz era. i don't know
1: yeah i want to break out of that
2: not in the jazz egg
1: yeah the egg. the jazz egg hi welcome to the jazz egg i'll be your server Hi, welcome to Jazz Breakfast. My name is Martin. What, I
2: cannot hear very well. Wait, one of those places in Chicago actually did have a jazz brunch. There was like of a jazz they brunch. They had like to. Hancock. Hancock Building, maybe? Like, 30th floor? Of the that
1: head. sounds like something you would go to if you're, like, an overweight Correct. businessman. Correct. Who's like, I work in sales. What's the Chicago- Do the Chicago accent. I can't do that. Can never do the it's Chicago... It's flat. Yeah, it's fuck. It's, uh... Yeah, don't... Like, yeah. um... Uh,
2: okay. Dennis Farina? Dennis Farina. Or, like, the Blues Brothers. The Blues We're Brothers. We're on a mission from Gad.
1: We're trying to get downtown to Bleecker. There you go. But
2: there's, uh... The river's
1: green today because the fucking Irish out there. These, dems, and those. These, dems, those. Irish... Polish Catholic Italian, Italian Italian Puerto Rican Puerto Ricans are here here I, I can't do here. it here Puerto Ricans are here it's like the one accent I can't do because it always ends up trending to New Jersey or going yeah. to Minnesota
2: oh yeah or
1: Wisconsin sure. Wisconsin's a different one too Wisconsin
2: sim- but they're similar in the in yeah. that flat that Wisconsin things
1: oh it's tough. disgusting if you ever met an attractive person who is uh has that accent <laughs> yes and met them seen them and then approached them and heard them speak and be like oh <laughs> It's almost like seeing a ghost. It's, it's so like, hot. Oh
2: no! It's so up here. Everything is. Oh, way so high. I do a
1: bikini contest in oh. Sheboygan. My dad works for a uh, Molax Butter Company, so we get a lot of discounts. It's pretty great. Discounts? Yeah, we go oh, in there. Yeah. We get a lot of discounts on pretty much anything we want there. So I oh. started doing bikini contests, and um,
2: stop saying bikini contests. Why I do a bikini Freak. contest. Stop it.
1: Why I like to do? Mo- I do modeling at home with my dad. Mod- I do modeling. modeling. I love taking pictures. Ew. Oh, is that a red camera? Those are really high res. I got a black magic for my birthday. And so I do pictures. I do put on YouTube. I do things where I, I change clothes. I get a lot of swimwear sent to me from different companies.
2: <laughs> I'm not imagining an attractive person.
1: Exactly. But imagine a person who like the perfect body who talked like that. Oh, uh, we're going to see the bikes play. They're going to fucking lose.
2: Uh, maybe play some Minnesota music. Like what? Mm, Prince? Replacements? No. The Time? How about the Replacements? That's more your game, right? Replacements? I mean, more than sure. I don't know. I just seem like a replacements guy for some reason. I like those records. Have you were dated with owner Ryder? Did, did I date yeah. Rondona Rider? Like no. like 10 minutes, nope. maybe? I nope, know. never met her.
1: You could see that. Really? I, if you told me that, I'd be like, yeah, Paul's... That you makes know, sense. You've got big triceps. Big triceps? <laughs> big
0: triceps? <laughs> Have you ever... Is that what
1: she's into? The, is she into I don't that? know. I think she's into Paul Westerberg, and that's it. You know that she's ha- Paul Westerberg has a restraining order against her.
2: That's not true.
1: Well, he, Here's the, here's the God, a, honest
2: truth. That, that is not true.
1: Here's what is true, okay? What is true is that a friend who worked at Amoeba Records, and when... Um, when the replacements would do an in the store, there, he, Paul Westerberg, told all the employees, said, "Look, under no circumstances is Winona Ryder allowed in or backstage. Why? Because she wants was so obsessed with him, and he wanted nothing to do with her. And he had to like basically like, Winona's going to tell you that she's supposed to be here. She's not. Because she's a little bit lonely, I guess, in terms of that. She's got an obsession issue with, with Paul Westerberg. Paul Westerberg." It's real. It's true. It's God honest truth.
2: Okay, I'd say swinging party or Alex Chilton. Oh, okay. Let's listen to some Alex Chilton. I think I, that's that's what I want to listen to. That got me. In, that song got me into Big Star. What did Alex Chilton? Because I was like, I don't know who Alex Chilton is. Oh, the what song yeah. by The Replacements. Yeah. See, I never heard this oh. song before. Oh, or play a Big Star song.
1: We should. No, I want to play Alex Chilton because oh. I've never actually heard this song. Oh, that's a great song. Here we go. This is classic, classic double P. This is on their first album or second album? Second. It? it's on Please yeah. Please Meet Me? I 87.
2: On... I think it's their third record, right? Uh I don't know. Yeah, Let It Be, Tim and then this, I think.
1: This does also sound kinda like uh what's that band? Um, you
2: know. The Beatles. How screw do? Yeah, it's same kind of similar. Same smithereens, Hooskerdoo. It's probably the same studio. Oh, yeah, Hooskerdoo is also, or er, Hooskerdoo mm-hmm. is also Minneapolis. Mm-hmm.
0: Alex Chilton, think of the I'm in love.
2: You see that Big Star documentary? No. It's really good.
1: I like the stuff a lot, but I'm not like, a huge fan, so I feel like I'm, I'm not, not a, a huge fan.
2: What, Big Star?
1: Just the documentary, you know? Oh,
2: yeah. It's just a.
1: It's
0: a.
2: It's less about the music and more about kind of like what happened to them, which is kind of fascinating. Because he was a bad drug addict, right? He became that, but they yeah. were supposed to be the they were going to be huge everybody thought they were going to be what happened it just didn't happen it just didn't take
1: weird they were not a big star <laughs> correct <laughs> there's a, a band called the hot dogs okay that i like a lot that are really hard to find for some fucking reason but they have they got produced by a big star they're from nashville as well memphis memphis right okay
2: Is this song annoying or is it good?
1: It's good. I I think I'm not paying attention enough. Yeah, that's okay. The hot dogs are so hard to find because they, because shit's like you know they're called the hot dogs. Right. But they have a band. They have a couple songs that are really outstanding. I'll play one real quick. We'll just I played this on the podcast before, but I want you to hear this actually because it's uh, these guys, man. These guys are like such a good band that no one's ever heard of. I got their record randomly at some record store. I got it at Jaime's Records in Minneapolis. I bought it. They're playing it on the PA. I was like, what is this? And I bought it. And it's like every song is this good.
2: What era is it?
1: It's like, I don't know, it's uh, 73. And this was produced by whoever, it's it's affiliated with Big Star.
2: Sounds like Big Star.
1: All the guitars are just beautiful. It's so understated, but it's just
2: killer. Ooh. So big star.
0: It's
1: just crushing. The recording's so open, too. Thing. It almost sounds like it's slowed down, right? And now here's what gets really cool this is like the best bridge. whole record is this good man for real whole record
0: it's
1: all over the place yeah, it is kind of over the place I, mean, I like yeah. it now we're like Tuesday's gone kind of shit yeah, yeah. hot dog the hot dogs. The record's called Just Say What You Mean or Say What You Mean. But like it's all it's all just great, it's all the same. Can people find you online, Paul? Can they can
2: they? Yeah, can they? Like any people, given day?
1: Do you want people to reach out online? Like oh, sure, fans. yeah. I'm on
2: Twitter and Instagram.
1: I believe you're on a show called I Feel Bad. It's on NBC. You can yep. watch on the NBC app. You can watch it on Hulu. Hulu. But I believe NBC is negotiating a deal with Universal to start their own streaming platform, so that might come to an end. You don't know about that? Yes. Okay. Did they ask you about that? Are they like, Paul, what do you think about this?
2: No. Did they ask you about it? No. No, I don't not. Think I, I don't think we get to weigh in on that no, one.
1: They don't give a shit about it. No. They don't even know I work on the show. <laughs> I tell him I'm a grip.
2: This is Comcast. Yeah. Comcast is not asking us our no for our yeah. input. Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Adelstein Paul, and I'm at Instagram at Paul Adelstein.
1: Yes, thanks for being here. Thanks for having this me. This is fun. It's
2: long overdue. You ever had somebody twice? Because I want to come back.
1: Yeah, I've had people twice all the time. It's actually better the second time. 'Cause it's like you got you
2: we're, know we're like all, more comfortable with one yeah, another. Yeah,
1: it's like you kissed, everything's good. It's yeah. like that part of that Woody Allen movie, Annie Hall, you know, with the kiss. Just, let's just you know put the we way. We just kiss right now, real, real quick, we'll record a quick two hour podcast and then we'll and then we'll be we'll be okay with each other.